feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? And welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things that we should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about parties. Oh my goodness, this has been the week of parties. Like, on Friday, an HVAC guy came over and showed me how our AC and furnace work, and that was like the most exciting thing like, to me, that is a party, and he was also really excited because somebody wanted to learn. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes. <laughs> Not the two actual parties that happened, the one that was a party for me. Yeah. My new BFF. No, we had a... We went to a baby shower. Yes, well, I went to baby shower. Austin showed up partway through. <laughs> uh, he crashed it. I, that's right. I'm a baby shower crasher. He was he was just there because he knew there'd be food. I didn't even know there was gonna be food. I just okay. I was, it was one of my family's parties. You didn't know there was gonna be food. It's true. I I was actually surprised by the amount of food because they always go overboard. But this was like overboard. So good though. It was all of it was good. Even like I didn't try the blue cheesecake though. Yeah, I, I didn't know what it was. Otherwise, I would have tried it. No. And then yeah, we haven't recorded since the costume party. No, we haven't. So a couple weeks ago, we went to a friend's birthday party, and it was a costume party, and it was the best because I love costume parties, and the theme was cartoon characters. Yeah. So we, like, debated for weeks. I think we mentioned to our debate that we were having on our last episode. I ended up going as Ursula from Little Mermaid, and Austin went as Flotsam and Jetsam. The eels! He's doing hand motions to show you what he did. Yes. He had gloves that he designed to look like them, which was super cool. And I uh, made a costume to suggest her. I I didn't build an entire Ursula costume, but I have begun learning how to do eyebrow blocking, which is a bitch if you don't have glue sticks. And so I've decided, you know what? I'm going to try the glue sticks next time. But I've been working for three years now to grow out my 90s unfortunate eyebrows. And I'm afraid of losing them. So if anybody knows how to do amazing drag queen brows that don't risk ripping out your eyebrows and also don't involve liquid latex, because I am allergic to that, <laughs> as I found out the hard way during a, a uh, college makeup class. And uh, again, repeatedly trying to teach kids to do makeup where you say, OK, I'm allergic to latex, so don't do what I'm doing if you're allergic. Um. No, they remembered I had said before that I was allergic. These kids actually listened and remembered. And so I'm showing her how to do it on my own hand. And a kid goes, Miss Maddie, aren't you allergic to latex? And I stopped. I looked at it and went, do as I say, not as I do. Got it? And she was like, okay. And (laughs) I showed her how to do it. I was, We were in a pinch because the costume, the mask never came in. And so we had to substitute it at the last second. But it was a good show. It was in the woods. Of course, uh, I speaking of things that I did learn in school, I've been taking a drawing class and we had a model and it was weird um austin is extremely talented and i like i love his drawings and so i was looking at the drawings of this model that he did and the face on the one he actually had some time to work on because most of them were like really fast drawings the face is freaking spectacular because i never mastered faces back when i tried to draw things well i finally got like good instruction on like how faces are proportioned and doing all of that and uh I learned something on my own. And like for me, this is a revelation, but I'm sure everybody already knows this. The hair is not a part of the skull. Yes. It goes um, on top. Yes. I had a really good art teacher in high school that taught us kind of how this works and how to sketch out like the cross sections on the face. So I got to be okay at it. Um, But when it came to self-portraits, I feel like my face is weirdly shaped and I know my chin goes a little sideways. My eyes are different sizes. But I finally got one that I was so proud of that I actually kept it. And then my ex looked at it and he goes, that doesn't look like you. Oh, what a jerk. Yeah. And I was like, well, you don't look like a person. So. <laughs> it's like, like, quiet troll. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we went to a couple of parties. Uh, yesterday was our sixth anniversary. And more importantly, Zumbi's fifth birthday. Yeah, we got our foster fail cat 
on our first anniversary, we got a call like, guys, we have an emergency litter of kittens. Can you come get them? And we were like planning on going out to dessert. We had just left to play and we were like, this is more important. Yeah. We ended up with eight cats in our car. <laughs> our way home with nothing set up for them in the house nothing nope. ready to go uh-uh. um but we had yeah it was it, it was zumbi's fifth birthday yesterday she was she uh i think she knew it too because she was wild yeah and then we are recording this on easter yeah and austin has asked me about 30 times in the last month when easter is and for some reason it's the one date that i have known this time i I forgot it was our anniversary repeatedly, but every time I'm like, it's April 17th. It's April 17th. Uh, but we are not talking about Easter today. No. that's Although I did see a thing that was like, as a reminder, Good Friday was not good for everyone. Also, um, tonight is also a full moon. So now we have to worry about werewolf Jesus. You know, well, he was ghost Jesus, though. Like, he didn't take a corporeal form. Because he was like, reach into my side and the holes in my hands. And so he was ghost Jesus. But I'm like, also, where was his body? Was his body just still in there? I think it was like in Star Wars when like Obi-Wan Kenobi just kind of disintegrated and disappeared and left behind his clothes. That's what the Shroud of Torian is. So what's our topic this week? So Austin is not doing anything this week. I'm lazy. So I am covering everything. This is something I mentioned briefly a long time ago. Um, God, I should have written down the episode number. But I, t- I mentioned just in passing. Oh, it was the Broadway episode. It was the Ooh. history of Broadway. And I mentioned in passing the theater riots. And I was like, but that's another topic for another time. That time has come. Yeah. It's our favorite things, theater and riots. And me being really nasty about fandoms. <gasps> oh, God. Good. I can say so many bad things about fandoms. Uh, so people have always felt passionate about things like their favorite actors. I mean, we've seen it happen over and over throughout history with like, you know, the I'm going to assassinate somebody for Jodie Foster to people, things like that. The arguments people get into over whether or not Meryl Streep is a good actor. There's a cat meowing outside the door. Um, so it's likely... Why people are willing to forgive and forget about so many like bad things their favorite actors have done. But, you know, then there are the fandoms that have yeah. reached like this new peak that have, has become toxic. Now, there is nothing wrong with being a fan of something. There's nothing wrong with even being part of a fandom. There are Then there are the fandoms, capital F, that take things too far. Like the misogynistic Star Wars fandom. Which is not every person within it, but yeah. that was enough that it's, they ran. It's, a, it's enough that they ran like the all of the female stars of the new Star Wars movies off of Instagram and Twitter, mm-hmm. or the true crime groups that are repeatedly, "I'm not racist, but here's all the racism that I'm going to pound at you now." Yeah, the "I'm not racist, but yeah." Uh, not realizing things like "How dare you smudge something because you're not Native American." Because they assume that because somebody doesn't look like a stereotype from a textbook that they're not Native American. No, you're being racist by assuming they're not. Um, and then, of course, there are like the fandoms of, oh, you're so stupid because you like this or you don't like this. Why don't you go kill yourself? Yeah. And sadly, those aren't just, you know, kids who don't know better. Those are full grown adults sometimes saying that to kids. Alleged adults. Yeah. Legal adults. Yeah, there we go. So we're going to be talking about probably one of the more toxic pairs of fandoms supernatural no the fan the supernatural fandom is actually super chill for the most part like i'm in a couple of supernatural groups on facebook and one of them like has a group mom who like every week does like a hey guys check in and tell us something you're struggling with or something you're proud of here for yourself this week and hey guys just checking in to make sure you remember to drink some water this week like you aren't allowed to be nasty about stuff in there, but you also, that includes being nasty to each other. Um, it like, there's not too many rules. It's kind of cool. Um, and that's the way I've, it's been in like all the supernatural groups of men. Now there are the ones who go a little too far into the, uh, certain brands of fan fiction where I'm like, this is making me uncomfortable, but overall they're not like toxic towards each other, which is something or other fandoms. They're like, you can like supernatural and Riverdale. And I do. <laughs> Um, so like a lot of pieces that I do from when yellow journalism was huge, some things I say today 
if you ever learned about this before, might conflict with what you learned. And that's on the detail level. It's like, it was this play. No, it was this play. It was this many people. No, it was this many people. Because different sources had different numbers. So I pretty much went with the most common that I found. But the overarching details are correct. These were across the board, the overarching details. So just if I get a detail wrong from what you know, this detail does exist somewhere. It was the most common one. So don't at me about it because I actually did do some research. Um, yeah, it's like when you get into like some history stuff, there's just a lot of like hearsay and yeah, like, like personal what, accounts differ. And like what we're basing this on is from a time period where they were trying to sell papes, you know, yeah. and having thank the most, you, Crutchy. They're about having the most outlandish headlines and the biggest numbers and. Stuff like that. So, yes, I'm I'm fully aware this news might be wrong. But unless I get a major fact wrong, like one of the actors' names or something, it's not worth adding it. Because I probably saw the number that you cited, made note of it, and then went with the most common one. I know I sound like I'm in a really bad mood, guys. I'm not. I'm just exhausted. <laughs> um, so, like in Shakespeare's time, going to theater was like going to the club, minus the horrible house music. People who went to theater in the mid-1800s in the United States were buck-fucking-wild. They would even, like, get on stage and interact with the actors. They would steal crowns off of the actors' heads. They would be drunk. They'd be partying. Now, this isn't everywhere. There were upper-class theaters as well. Yeah. But we're talking about this time. This is We're talking about the audience that Shakespeare wrote for just a couple hundred years later at this point. Uh, one of my favorite Shakespeare stories was in the Wild West because uh, Cowboys, big Shakespeare fans. Yes. Uh, someone actually shot at the feet of an actor who flubbed the line in a Macbeth. Yeah, and that was the thing is theater was loved all across the country. Small towns, big towns didn't matter. There were tour circuits and Shakespeare was like number one because back then they understood that Shakespeare was for the people, not for the intellectuals who are going to break down if why this line might be in tetrameter instead of pentameter. Um, yeah, I make pentameter um, because once in a while you'll find one that's in tetrameter. Or has a different rhyme scheme. And we need to spend hours analyzing this. It's like, I'm like, why? Why, why is this one part where the witch is speaking in a different meter? It's like, um, because A, people were writing this from memory. And B, sometimes it made more sense. And Shakespeare didn't stick to everything perfectly because it was more important to have something that made sense. That's crazy talk. I know, right? Of course, that's how we view most of Shakespeare now because none of us learned it correctly. Um so people were loud. They would react. It wasn't always about the plot of the show, though, or anything that was going on stage. Politics, race, countries of origin, and religion were also fair game. So they are yelling things at the actors about their races or what country they're from or just randomly yelling about who to vote for. Like, <laughs> it was chaos. You're going to start to see a lot of similarities between this and a certain thing that happened in June. Not June, uh, January. Okay. On the 6th of January of a specific year, to be oh, exact. Okay. Um, the Astor Place riot was far from the first theater riot in New York. <laughs> uh, this was actually a very common occurrence. Uh, this isn't even the first New York riot we've covered. No, no. And it's not even the most ridiculous reason, like the Straw Hat riots, yeah. which is like, you are wearing unfashionable hats. No, this actually at least has some, I don't want to use the word reason, but because it's not reasonable, but this actually has at least something more deep than a hat style that goes into it. And it even goes deeper than a fandom. Ooh. Uh, the, these were pretty common. This particular one had an underlying issue of nationalism and xenophobia and all kinds of fun stuff happening with it. Oh, joy. That was not uncommon with these theater riots. This one is just important, and we should have learned about it because it's super deadly. And How deadly are we talking? We'll get into it. Um, also, there were massive theater riots during the whole Stamp Act thing. We learned extensively about the Stamp Act, and they never once mentioned theater riots. Oh, because, uh, because the funding has been so cut for the arts that you can't even mention theater in the classroom anymore. Legit, we're getting there. And actually, that might be part of the Don't Say Gay Bill, because you can't talk about theater. So... New York City had gone from 60,000 to 515,000 people between 1800 and 1850. Many of these people were Irish immigrants escaping the Irish potato famine, which Austin covered early on in our podcast. Yeah. And so we got to where about 25% of the city were Irish immigrants. 
the Irish believed that the British were at fault for the potato famine, which they wasn't were, entirely were. wrong. Um, so they were angry at the British. The Americans didn't like the Irish because they thought that they were lazy immigrants here to take our jobs. So glad things have changed. Yeah. There were a lot of tensions between the American and British governments. And people born in America considered people who were born in Britain or who came from British families that were in the United States to be elitist. So we have an overarching America versus British British feeling happening, plus an Irish versus British feeling happening, plus an American versus Irish feeling happening. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, the British people are just sitting here like, well, we can't just move. It's not that easy. Like the ones who are here. Although they actually had a um, their own version of the 1%, which they called the top tenors. Ooh. Or the top tens, who were the 10,000, I believe, richest people in New York, which who were predominantly British. Because uh, the top tenors also sounds like a barbershop quartet. There's only one tenor in a barbershop quartet, usually maybe two. Yeah, but this one's four. That's why they're the top tenors. And then they were also arguing, this is a legitimate debate that was happening, whether Shakespeare should even be performed by the British, because <laughs> Americans did it better. Ooh. And of course, the British people were like, um, Shakespeare was British? I can, I, I felt a listener spitting out their tea in disgust at that but line. But here's the thing. Shakespeare sounded more American than British in the way that the accents were at the time. <laughs> uh, the history of accents is actually really interesting. And even then, he doesn't really sound like either of us. There's YouTube videos you can watch, and I recommend it, on what Shakespeare actually sounded like with the original uh, accent. Ooh. And it's like kind of Welsh, kind of American, not a whole lot of British happening. The British accent came out of some attempt actually at sounding elitist. Um, it's a whole thing. It's fascinating. Just like the mid-Atlantic accent you hear uh, like on the old newsreels where they talk like this was a real accident that was used by the people who were trying to show that they had more money. It was an elitist accent that just naturally died out. Um, so guys, elitist accents... If you have one, probably going to die out. So oh, no. watch and keep an eye on you, Midwesterners, because all newscasters try to sound like us. Yeah. The complete and total lack of anything. So like the tofu of accents. Uh, excuse me. We don't have that weird of a texture. <laughs> but we are as pale. So we have our two main characters in our little play here. The American actor, Edwin Forrest, and the British actor, William Charles McCready. Ooh. Edwin Forrest and William Charles McCready were both stars. We did not have stars until around this time, at least in the U.S. Edwin Forrest actually might have been the first actual star actor in the United States. Uh, they both specialized in Shakespeare. So nationwide, people are aware of both of these actors because both of them had toured the United States. Now let's talk about them. Edwin Forrest, born in 1806 in Philadelphia. He was part of a kids' theater group when he was a kid. Apparently, they had those things. He was a mouseketeer. It was basically like, you know, when we were kids and they would send us off to like camp just to get us out of our mom's hair. I, that's what I imagine this was. It actually kind of sounds like it was at the 1800s equivalent of a YMCA. <laughs> and he became a quote unquote legitimate actor at age 11 when he got oh. cast in like a professional show. But then his dad died when he was 13. So he tried, he had to get a job. And he tried to apprentice as a printer, a cooper, and a, a, a chandler. And he sucked at all of them. Could I could I be any more awful at Chandlering? And then in early 1820, when he was either 13 or 14, he attended a lecture. And they asked for volunteers to demonstrate something. So his hand shoots up because he is a 13 or 14-year-old theater kid. And he got pulled up. And they're like, we're going to show the effects of nitrous oxide on you. Oh, Which is no. also known as laughing gas. And he was like, sweet, let's do this. Now, I want to say, this is not a lecture for kids. There are full-ass adults in the audience, <laughs> and they picked the child. Because I'm sure they're thinking they're going to get a, is this real-life David after his tooth thing, David after the dentist reaction out of this 13, 14-year-old. That is not what happened. The nitrous oxide hits him, and he performs a spot-on uh, soliloquy from Richard III. As we all do at some point oh, during the yeah. day. I know, man, every time I take a hit of nitrous oxide, I start spouting off Shakespeare. I mean, the only thing more impressive would be if you started singing the dentist stuff from Little Top of Horrors. Never seen it. Oh, that breaks my heart. We gotta at least rent the movie so you can see it. So, yeah, apparently it was, like, spot on. 
So this lawyer that was there named John Swift, who saw no problem with them doing this with a preteen boy or a tween boy, was like, this is the most amazing actor I've ever seen and got him an audition at the Walnut Street Theater, which is the oldest operating theater in the United States. It is still there and they have an excellent children's program last I checked. I actually tried to, um, it's one of the places I looked at working at for a while. I did not try to get the job there. Uh, So he got cast, but then afterwards he had trouble finding more work in New York or Philadelphia because the theater scenes were already glutted with the children of rich British people in all those roles. Damn them! So he did a little bit of touring and then ended up in New Orleans and got really good reviews there. Still, um, he and his boss ended up having a thing for the same lead actress, and he's 18 by this point. So... In a fit of jealousy, he yelled at his boss and just walked out. That is something I've that never heard of an 18-year-old a doing. a low wisdom score action right there. Yeah. And he disappeared. Full-blown disappeared. And when he popped back up, um, I think in Philadelphia, he was like, oh, yeah, I was living with a Choctaw chief named Push Mataha, learning his ways. And people are like, no, you weren't. What? We don't know what you were doing, but it wasn't that. <laughs> But yeah, that's what he claimed, and he stuck to that story. But he ended up back in Philadelphia and then New York, where he started having success in Othello. Oh. He became known for his sense of honor while he was doing this, because he was being paid way below what other actors would have been paid, and he got offers to work at other theaters for higher pay, but he had a contract, and he refused to break his contract. He had made a commitment, so he did not leave until the end of his contract. And then he continued to have success across the country and then in Europe. In Europe, he met an actor named William McCready. And William McCready was like, hey, you want to like come to my house and like hang out and we'll like have tea and shit? And Edwin Forrest was like, yeah, cool. And like they were buds. Like he respected Edwin as an actor and Edwin respected him as an actor. They were friendly. Uh, And at some point during this, Edwin married a British lady. It becomes important later, but right now it's not. And Edwin Forrest was influential in creating American playwrights at all. American playwrights existed, but they weren't taken seriously. He began a playwriting contest where the only rule was your lead character needs to work for me as an actor. And so whoever's play got picked got put on with Ed- with Edwin Forrest, the most famous actor in America, Ooh. in the lead. And so he brought legitimacy to American playwrights. Oh, weird. So it's kind of like American Idol, but like in reverse. Mm, I guess so. Uh, so he went on, he became the first ever truly American star actor. In 1845, he returned to London, hang out with his wife and the intelligentsia and do a bunch of performances. Now we've got William McCready, the other guy. The other guy. Born March 3rd, 1793, making him 13 years older than Edwin Forrest. His parents were actors. Or an actress and John Adams, because there was a picture of his dad, and I was like, that is John Adams, that is not an actor. Could John Adams have had a secret double life? In if the, he was a good actor, In maybe. Britain and America at the same time, oh and God. at totally different ages. Yes. Because remember, he was born in 1793, but his dad, I looked at the picture, I'm like, that is John Adams. They are, like, if you look it up, guys, they John he's identical. Adams. But he was raised by actors, and... His father was a lessee of several theaters, and he had, like, the super British upbringing. Like, he was the head boy at rugby school or whatever. Uh, Those were all words that were really involved with this. And then he was going to go off to Oxford. But turns out being the lessee of several theaters is a bit of a tumultuous job. And so they had some financial problems, and he had to stay behind and help his dad run the theaters. But he's like, you know, I still want to act. I'm going to go try this whole acting thing. And so he got cast as Romeo in 1810. And then he kept getting more and more roles, which pissed his dad off because his dad's like, you're supposed to be running the business. And he was like, I don't care. Bye, dad. And that was that. He left for Bath, which is a place you live, not a bathroom, and became an actor there. A few months before Forrest did his Richard III while high, (laughs) McCready played Richard III, and this was well-received worldwide and resulted in a number of admirers, including Charles Dickens, who wrote at length of his love for McCready, and also because he can't write anything brief. Yeah, Charles Dickens wrote at length about something? Go on. Now, I would love to go into McCready as much as I did with Forrest, but I'm doing a search from America and don't have a VPN. So that's it. That's all I have. (laughs) 
<laughs> the rest of it was like, here's a list of plays he did. Everything else is about what comes up next. Now, like I said, the two had been friendly. And they, uh, McCready would come to the United States to perform and he'd go to Europe to perform and they got along. And there was one theater circuit in the U.S. that every actor, every play kind of followed the same circuit. So Forrest would follow the circuit and then immediately be followed by McCready or vice versa, often playing the same roles in the same play. (laughs) And there were also some reports that they would be in the same city doing the same play at the same time. Now, this rivalry was initially kind of a friendly one that they played up because it got them both some publicity to be like, oh, man, look at him trying to compete with me, you know? But it turned into a real rivalry, as you might imagine, in part because Forrest was making significantly more money because he was an American performing in America and there was anti-British sentiment in America. It had nothing to do with ability. In fact, McCready performed his characters in a subtle way where he would really dig into the inside of the character and play this per- he would become this person kind of like benedict cumberbatch does with everything mm-hmm. then um on the other hand we have Forrest, who played everything from the outside in in a super macho i'm a man with a dick fashion like tom cruise sure or i was gonna go steven seagal uh, same thing so McCready's vert way appealed more to the upper class, while Forrest's way appealed more to the everyday p- person. Uh, and he also better embodied the whole idea of American men being tough, rough and tumble men. While McCready was like British people and they're, you know, they're so soft. When really it's just two very different ways of interpreting the same character. If you're ever lucky enough to watch the David Tennant Hamlet and Benedict Cumberbatch Hamlet and compare them, they are equally good and totally different. Well, no, I'm not even going to say they're equally good. The Benedict Cumberbatch one is better, but it has nothing to do with David Tennant's performance. It's because they perf- they filmed the actual stage production of the Benedict Cumberbatch one, so you get to see the stage tech, Ooh. where it is kind of a stage for- version of the Hamlet of the David Tennant one, and it's beautifully done, but you don't get to see the stage tech. And I wanted to cry because the stage tech was so beautiful in the Benedict Cumberbatch one. <laughs> Austin didn't go. He was like, that sounds boring. Yeah. He was wrong. <laughs> All right. So in both Britain and the U.S., it sounds like their rivalry was, you know, being trumped up by the papers, too. So if you remember, like, Brandy and Monica back in the 90s and 2000s, everybody was like, Brandy and Monica rivalry. And they were both like, what? We don't have a problem with each other. And it was the same thing with Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. They were like, we don't have a problem with each other. Or Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, who if you watch Lance Bass's TikToks, you could tell her besties. Um, However, they bu- ne- neither of them like ninety eight degrees. <laughs> actually, I've never seen a video with. Actually, no, I think I think Drew from ninety eight degrees d- has done some stuff with them. Uh, oh, Nick Lachey's okay. little brother. Okay, I think he might have been in Man Band, which is a real reality show that Austin has never seen. <laughs> Man Band, I remember. Man Band. Chris Kirkpatrick was in it. I think Joey Fatone was in it. <laughs> <laughs> It was a bunch of, uh, one of the new kids was in it. <laughs> we need to find this online and watch it. Okay. Um, but because of this trumped up rivalry, we got to see Brandy and Monica do The Boy Is Mine, which is a bop and has stood the test of time. So if they had kept the rivalry at this level, maybe at some point we would have seen them perform together and it would have been really cool. That's not what happened. In 1845, Forrest was back in London and did some successful gigs, but he played Macbeth. Now, during his production of Macbeth, the audience hissed. Now, Forrest, like I said, is the I'm a macho, tough guy who has no emotions, which is not Macbeth. Macbeth has like this whole existential crisis about having to kill people. You can't do that and also be Steven Seagal. Um, Now, I couldn't figure out if this is true or not, but for some reason, Forrest decided that McCready was the one hissing or who had hired people to go hiss on his behalf. (laughs) I never found anything to verify that McCready had anything to do with it. He might have, he might have not. I'm not claiming either way. But a few weeks later, McCready was playing Hamlet in Edinburgh, and Forrest went, and he actually hissed himself. As Smithsonian Magazine put it, quote, Forrest refused customary contrition, horrifying the starched upper class and delighting Americans with his brash defiance. And since (laughs) actors in the antebellum period received the sort of loyalty and enthusiasm we now associate with professional sports teams, fans happily amplified the conflict. So there is still a chance that they could have worked this out. 
But the fans were like, no, this is what we want. We want this rivalry. Let's burn down Philadelphia, <laughs> Los Angeles, any city that has a something win. Yes, uh, the famous Philadelphia Thespians, the acting league. McCready ended up back in the States in 1849 with a contract at the Astor Astor Opera House playing Macbeth. Forrest was like, "Mm mm-hmm. So he went to the Broadway theater down the street to put on a production of Macbeth (gasps) at the same time. (sighs) A few sources have said that that they were putting on Hamlet, but most said Macbeth. So I'm going with Macbeth. This all began the dick measuring contest about who could portray the character better. And the thing is, if they had not done any mudslinging, maybe none of this would have happened. If they had just been like, go see his show, come see my show, go see both, we don't care. There's a good chance none of this would have happened. But no, they had to trash talk. They had to trash talk. Yes. Yes. And some people weren't so mad about the British versus America thing. It became down. It came down to the fandoms because McCready had his own fans in the U.S., both Americans and British people. And Forrest obviously had his own fans. Many of them were the Bowery Boys, which I'm only mentioning because I'm not going to talk about them. That's a whole other topic. But people will get mad if I don't mention the Bowery Boys caused this. So the Bowery Boys caused this, um, which is basically like. The lower class New Yorkers who will cause any shit they can, and there's a whole lot of gang problems. Um, they they probably made a movie about these gangs of New York, didn't they? I literally don't remember that movie because I hated it so much. <laughs> so McCready's show opens. He enters the stage, and before he even speaks, the audience begins to heckle him. Now he waits a few moments for them to quiet down, and they don't. So he starts talking, starts doing lines, and he gets louder and louder and louder. So they get louder and louder and louder, and. His own supporters tried to help him by yelling shame, (laughs) to which the other side yelled back three cheers to Ned Forrest down with the codfish aristocracy. Codfish aristocracy? Uh Uh-huh. What? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the hecklers found, realized like, oh, okay, so he's still going. Like, he's very, the show must go on. He is not throwing a tantrum like Forrest did when he was 18 and didn't get the girl. So they started throwing stuff at him. Now, most of them, they did, that was one of the questions that came up in a lot of things was, were they armed? The answer is largely no. They did not come prepared to kill anyone. Uh, There was very, I didn't see any reports of guns. I'm sure some had them. Saw very few reports of knives. They came armed with fruit, eggs, and pennies. So they are throwing fruit, eggs, and pennies at him, which maybe this is where the whole tomato throwing things comes from. I don't know. But then they escalated to start throwing chairs, which missed him. But he was like, you know what? Fuck this. And he snuck out the back, went, got in a carriage, went to his hotel and announced that he was done. Like, I'm not staying here. My safety is at risk. I understand I'm not coming back to America. And it, it doesn't even sound like he was, you know, throwing a tantrum. How fucking dare you? It was, okay, I get it. I get it. I'm done. I'll leave you all alone. But then 46 people of the non-codfish aristocracy version, uh, including people like Washington Irving... And stuff like that. Wrote him a joint letter saying, oh, it won't happen again. Americans are really better than that. That They're not representative of us as a people. uh, Spoiler alert. We're not. (laughs) We have not improved. Yeah. Like, remember, this dude had literal chairs thrown at him. And these were chairs from the 1800s. Those are sturdy. But it worked. And he agreed that he'd come up again on May 10th and open the show again and announcing the date meant that people could organize again oh, no. so isaiah renders who was a big fan of forrest a gang leader and the person who had ensured the last one happened because he got 500 tickets to the opening night and that is how everybody got in was like bet we got this but he did go to edwin forrest first and ask do you want us to do this again edwin forrest said you know two wrongs don't make a right which sounds like no but then he said but let the people do as they please. <laughs> Sounds like someone should have been playing Lady Macbeth. Again, very January 6th was yeah. my thought. Now, guys, we don't want to do anything bad, but remember, we have to fight back. So Renders is like, all right, that's definitely permission. Plus, I get to embarrass our new mayor, who was a wig. Uh, W-H-I-G, not so like one you wear. I saw Austin's face. <laughs> no, I'm just imagining a mayor that is a wig. It's pretty. There was an old SNL sketch where they were doing like a political debate and it was one of them was the wig party. Then there was the wig party. And I'll find my Rudolphs in it. (laughs) 
um, he began putting up posters saying, working men, shall Americans or English rule this city? And he told them to express their free speech at McCready's performance. (gasps) So obviously the word was spreading and the police were like, God damn it. So they sent some extra police there that night, like January 6th. 300 police officers. Sounds like a good number to subdue the crowd. And they quickly realized there were not enough. So the mayor was like, shit, and he called the state militia, and they sent out two regiments. So the police are at the opera house. We got this group of police versus 10,000 people who were very into expressing their free speech. What? 10,000 is the number I came across the most. Uh, by comparison, January 6th, 2,000 to 2,500. <gasps> the police did help with crowd control and ensured only people with tickets got inside, which sounds like a good way to start. Except... Some of these people had tickets, but McCready had been selling tickets on his own. Like he hadn't, but his reps had. They were marked differently than the tickets that were purchased elsewhere. And only the people who McCready had given tickets to were being allowed in. But the other people had spent money to get their tickets. (laughs) So they're coming back out and they're going, they wouldn't let me in because I don't own a white glove and white gloves and tails. (gasps) So that got the crowd even more fired up because they're not, they're saying it's, because I'm sure they weren't saying, oh, you bought it from a scalper because that's not what happened Mm -hmm. either. They bought them legally, but their money was taken and they're saying, oh, because I'm poor, you're not letting me in because I don't have the white gloves that fit with these velvet seats. You're not letting me in because this was one of the most ostentatious, beautiful theaters in New York at the time. They they even held like the firemen's ball there and stuff, which is funny because a lot of the firemen were part of the free speech crowd. Sorry, sorry, holding the fireman's ball. So the holders, the ticket holders couldn't get in. The crowd got further enraged and the police were like, oh shit. So they started barricading all of the doors and windows, which as we've learned from your the- Iroquois theater fire situation is not a great idea. No. Um, they missed one window. The crowd obviously found that window and found anything they could to throw at it to go in through the window. Yeah, this is very familiar. Yeah. Still, the show must go on. And exactly 7.30 p.m. It's start time. They were going on. And the police had managed to keep things relatively under control. A few had gotten by when they began to kind of interrupt the show. Uh, what They even tried to run on stage to grab McCready. But obviously, obviously, there were undercover cops in the audience who, thereby, who then tackled them. And dragged them off to a temporary prison they had built inside the theater. What? They're so prepared. Yeah, they were on it. They were ready for this. I can see why they thought 300 cops would be enough. But it also sounds like the militia kind of expected to get called in. Um, Problem was, this was the days of gas lights. And And gatekeeping and girl bossing? Yes. And lots of MLMs. So they took out some wood shavings they'd bought through an MLM girl boss and lit the prison cell on fire God. inside the theater with the barricaded doors and windows. <laughs> what? Yeah, this get, this is wild. And it has not even finished getting wild yet. <laughs> but yeah, so there is a prison inside this theater that now the prisoners have light, lit on staging a fire break. while there's a Shakespeare play going on upstairs with a dude on stage who's afraid for his life <laughs> and an entire riot happening outside that's distracting the audience. Like the audience can't watch the play. Apparently this is one of McCready's worst performances ever because of all the shit happening outside. And it wasn't because he was doing badly. It's because the audience couldn't focus because they were like, Honestly, like, I'm sh- I'm shocked they went. Yeah. Like, these audience members, I hope every single one of those 46 signers on that letter showed up that night. It would not be okay for them to not show up after convincing him. Uh, doesn't sound like anything came of the fire, luckily. Uh, they got out of the cell, basically, <laughs> is what that boiled down to. Uh, and we did not have an Iroquois theater situation. Anybody who tried to get in through the broken window or any other means started to get severely beaten by the police. Which, frankly, in this situation, although I'm typically not for police beatings... They're trying to kill a dude. Yeah. Um, their people have already lit part of the building on fire. They're throwing rocks at police officers. <laughs> their temporary jail didn't work. No. So I feel like this is a situation in which, yeah, knocking them unconscious is probably for the best. And this is interesting. This is going to come up a few times. They were expressly instructed to not kill these people. The police were instructed to not kill them. Not the other way around. The gangs were not instructed to not kill the police. The police were told, like, 
try to not use lethal means. And they're like, all right, cool. Um, can we can we beat the shit out of them? And they were like, like, oh yeah, obviously. It's the eighteen hundreds, you can do whatever you want, but don't kill them. Like, all right, bet we got this. So they obviously would beat them to get them out of the theater where they're trying to kill the guy. Um, one of the few instances where I'm like, I get it. And also they weren't trying to use lethal force on them. Yeah. And meanwhile, though, the rioters are like, shit, because we're getting pushed back. What do we do? Wait a second. It's nighttime. And this city is not built very well yet. And these are gas lamps. No. We can get rid of the light. So they destroyed the gas lamps. And the town plunged into darkness. And they broke the sewer pipes. So the split city begins to flood. So now there is a riot <laughs> happening in total darkness and in, I would imagine, some New Orleans-style flooding with way too few cops versus 10,000 people. Oh my god. And the people are armed with rocks and bricks and anything else they can find to throw. Well, the cops are armed with cop stuff, but have been told, don't kill anybody. And they're actually listening. They're not going, but I was scared for my life and pulling out their guns. They are like literally just trying to barricade them and push them back using like their hands and billy clubs and stuff. So they finally called it and McCready got on a disguise that I would assume they had pre-ready for him. He sneaked out the back into a carriage, went back to his hotel and went back to the UK as fast as he could. More militia showed up. They were like, oh, shit, we're calling in more people. So more people who are a mile and a half away showed up on horseback. Unfortunately, the, the sewer system during this time was being constructed, which meant piles of bricks and rocks were everywhere. Oh, no. So the rioters turned around. They were like, oh, hey, free bricks. Oh, hey, weapons in the direction of the way the people are coming on horseback. So they start throwing rocks and bricks at the people and their horses. Oh, the horses. I, I guess And the they were yelling... Burn the damned din of an aristocracy. <laughs> so they, our pro, their protest chants were a lot like better. All right, I mean, okay. I, not, from now on, whenever we start a protest, we should have the word codfish at some point. Also, like, I mean, I'm a big fan of eat the rich, but burn the damned aristocracy. It's got a little bit more oomph behind it. And then we have that one guy. There's always the one guy. We remember this one guy from every time we've had something like this. Yeah. In my mind, this guy is completely shaved bald with a beard that is untrimmed and has a beer belly and way too much hair on his stomach, who rips off his shirt. Austin is acting all of this out right now, so I'm very glad we don't do a YouTube. Um, He rips off his shirt and in the face of one of the militiamen says, Fire, if you dare, take the life of a freeborn American for a bloody British actor. Okay, first of all, I love the fact that he referred to him as a bloody British actor, because that's a Britishism. Yeah. But yeah, so he's sitting there shirtless and saying, fire if you're dare. I'm an American expressing my right to free speech. So the militia guy was like, all right, bet. Thanks for the permission. <laughs> because the guy just gave the militia permission to open fire on them, saying, all right, you are welcome to fire at us now. We invite it. Just like vampires. Militias can only shoot at you if you invite them to. Well, the militia kind of was like, all right. They want us to fire at them. We're going to start firing. But they were still of the mind of, we don't want to kill them. Remember, these people are rioting. They have started fires. They have broken parts of this amazing building. They have injured and probably killed some cops by this point. And they are still of the mind of, we don't want fatalities. So they fired some volleys over their heads, like above the crowd, trying to scare them. To which the crowd goes, their guns are full of blanks. Let's attack them even more and they're like they're not full of blanks guys we're trying to disperse you not kill you we really don't want to kill you stop making us kill you and so they're like all right guys phase two and they and they say shoot them but they were expressly instructed to shoot towards the ground so hitting legs and feet nothing that could actually kill you easily took two volleys of that for people to start dispersing and for them to finally bring in some cannons and be like, this are we going to do this now? And the rest were like, fuck, and ran off. It's like, Les Mis hasn't been written yet. Or I guess the play hasn't been written yet. Actually, I don't know if the book had been written yet by this point. It's from the 1800s. I know that. I just can't remember. Okay. Oh, wait, I might be thinking of Phantom of the Opera. I don't know. Eh. But they were being told to not aim to kill this 10,000 person violent 
riot and they listened. Not a single one of them was like, but I'm too scared. I'm going to shoot him in the face instead. Um, they were aiming at legs and feet and the ground trying to make it so shrapnel would go up instead and not hit the people in the heads and the stomachs and the hearts. Um, so they finally did start to disperse at the end of it. Now, there are varying numbers on this, but this was the most common. After they dispersed out of this 10,000 people, because the cops did not use lethal force, 18 people were dead in the street. That's... That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, we get more than that when the when KU wins a basketball game. <laughs> I know. And then sources said between 22 and 30 died in total, like, after medical treatment. Uh, not all of them were rioters. Some of them were police. Um, tons got injured. I got so many different numbers on that. I decided not to even give a number, but it was over 100. And 100 people, by most sources, got arrested. This was the deadliest riot in New York City as of that time. The next day, New York City became a police state, which, of course, pissed the rioters off because my freedoms. So they went back to the theater and started rioting again. (laughs) McCready's not even there. There is no show happening. But they're like, wait, you're imposing rules on us after what we did last night? There are consequences for our actions. God. So they went back and the militia shows up and they were like, are you fucking kidding me? They were ready. Like, they were already at the theater assuming that they would do this. This time they came with bayonets, and they just ran them off with their bayonets and didn't kill anybody or injure anybody. Like, I'm sure there were probably some sprained ankles or something as people ran away, but they just chased them off with bayonets. They didn't fire a single shot. The Astor Opera House is gone now. It did not survive this. Um, physically, it survived, but it was never able to survive the reputation it got. It's a Starbucks now. Everything's a Starbucks <laughs> This whole thing drew into sharp relief that there was a major class issue in New York City, and it might have even deepened the class issue, despite the fact that this is one of the few times that Americans and Irish really came together for a common cause. (laughs) No one wanted to admit there was a problem, so the problem was not addressed. McCready, who had escaped back to to Britain because fuck America at that point, retired two years later and, according to his diaries, was very relieved. To be done with this whole thing. Then there was Forrest. Remember, he's 13 years younger. He is extremely famous in the United States. He is performing Macbeth down the street at the same time. Never commented on any of this as far as I could tell. I dug. I could not find a single response. Instead, he decides to distract everybody by having a very dramatic and very public divorce from his British wife. Now, he was literally caught cheating on her. But instead, he accused her of cheating on him. It was very reality TV. And it didn't help that there was a guy in the middle of it who was a well-known writer. I didn't write down his name. But he was one of the people who he was accusing of sleeping with his wife. And as far as I can tell, that was not true. But he picked him because he didn't look too well. He was recovering from, like, rheumatic fever or some shit. And he was like, there is the man who, who seduced my wife. And in the middle of Washington Square, beat him. And not just beat him, but beat him with like a switch from a tree. And the guy couldn't fight back because he was so sick. So um, it made Forrest look bad. The press was super all, like, all over it. Now, the fact that Forrest had incited a riot that killed the most people out of any New York riot up until that point had not lowered his fame. If anything, it had made his fame grow. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. But it turns out the limit was beating a guy with a whip in the street for seducing your wife when you yourself was caught cheating on her. The fact that she was British, though, did play into it, so he did get some sympathy from that part of it. Uh, but this didn't make him look good, and he ended up having to pay her an obscene amount of alimony. So he kept acting, kept acting, and kept acting, trying to pay off his alimony, which he managed to get around a lot of the time. Um, he got not only paying the alimony, but when he died, he left his estate to her, which sounds like he's paying off the debt. And in fact, it means he left her with a significant number of debts. <laughs> Forrest was an asshole. Yeah. Um, another consequence of all of this is that Shakespeare became a high class thing rather than a low class thing. If this hadn't had happened, Shakespeare probably wouldn't be inaccessible today because it was like a thing for the people, a thing for the masses. And that is how uh, Forrest did that. 
he did it so it was for the people, but Forrest made himself so unpopular by beating this famous writer in the street with no evidence behind it that Shakespeare, be- like, McCready ends up kind of winning in the end. But Forrest was not a total villain because he really did love theater. He did do it for the rest of his life up until his death in 1872. Um we never really read this either. The assassination of Lincoln led to a mass fear and hatred of actors. What? Yeah. That's right. John Wilkes Booth was an actor. John Wilkes Booth was one of the most famous actors in the United States. <gasps> His brother was more famous, but we don't remember him now because, you know, yeah. he didn't shoot anybody. Um, so Forrest turned one of his homes into a safe house for actors. They could hide there. <gasps> and when he died, he created a... Um, a home for retired actors, like literally an assisted living facility specifically for retired actors, which sounds like the most fun fucking place. And it lasted for a hundred years. He died in 1872. This place was around until like 1976, I think. And now it got, then it got absorbed into the actors fund facility. So part of this is still around. So the Astor Place riots, it rem- the whole thing reminded me of the one of my favorite parts, one of the best parts, Romeo and Juliet. Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? I do bite my thumb, sir. Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? Is the law on our side if I say I? No. No, I do not bite my thumb at, sir, at you, sir, but I bite my thumb, sir. Do you quarrel, sir? Quarrel, sir? No, sir. Well, if you do, sir, I am for you. I serve as good a man as you. (laughs) No better. Well, sir. Say better. Here comes one of my master's kinsmen. Yes. Better, sir. You lie. Draw, if you be men. Gregory, remember thy swashing blow. So it started with this silly rivalry that in this case is the equivalent of just flipping someone off and then becomes this big thing where they're talking about who they serve, America versus Britain. And it turns into a literal sword fight in this scene. And in this, it turns into a literal battle between, like, the people representing these actors. Because Gregory, Samson, and Abraham here weren't even the people who were fighting. They were fighting for the Capulets and the Montagues. And that is what happened with the Astor Place riots. People were fighting (laughs) for America. Well, the Amer- well, America didn't even know the fighting was happening. <laughs> we were like, what the fuck is going on? Guys? I don't understand. Um, so it started with the childish back and forth and ended with a lot of deaths. And as I said, you can still see the inklings of these problems between fandoms. You can love one thing, but not another. You're an idiot if you like that. You're an idiot if you don't like this. And we have seen that it can legit get violent sometimes. And that goes for, you know fun entertainment fandoms like this it goes for sports anything that you can become too obsessed with or politicians you can become too obsessed with someday could result in a bunch of rocks being thrown at people on horses but nowadays they aim to kill so let's not and that is the astor place riots oh my god that was wild Uh uh-huh and we never learned anything about this in school no I Can you imagine how much more interesting Shakespeare would have been if we had to been taught that Shakespeare caused the deadliest riot in New York City history up until that point? Yeah. All, and like, because a lot of, for some of them, it really did boil down to which actor was better. I'm here to fight for the honor of, Ed, of Ned Forrest, the superior actor. <laughs> Makeshift prison they burned. Like, I can't get over some of these details. Like, Austin heard me laughing my ass off yeah. at parts of this, even though it's like this horrific, actually. Is it a horrific tragedy since 100% of the people there, except for the police officers who weren't shooting to kill, were there trying to kill one dude? I I I feel like it might be less of a tragedy that these, because it wasn't like it was random people caught in the crosshairs. It's not, other than some of the police, it's not like, there were some, there were mixed reports. There might have been a few bystanders. Because there are always people who are like watching, like, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. But overall, it doesn't sound like there really were. It sounds like these are people who were there to cause damage and injury. But yeah, <gasps> one of the wildest stories we should have learned in history or English class and never did. Hell, I have a theater degree and I've never learned about this. What? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I never really took an American theater history oh my God. class. Can you imagine what this poor stage man- manager must have been going through? Oh, my God. These poor, like... 
Austin will tell you whenever I'm watching something where it goes wrong, I freak out and go, the poor stage manager, the poor stage manager. Yeah, it's like with the Will Smith slap, I could hear her yell, but the stage managers. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, if you don't like something someone else likes or if they like something you don't like, unless it's like something really bad, like, man, I really like being racist. Just let it go. Be cool. And no matter what TikTok says, it's not okay to start a riot. Oh. Are you ready for some questions? I'm ready. All right. Will this be on the test? Fans of two different actors got so pissy about it that they started fighting. Yes, that'll be on the test. Theater riots were actually very common ways of expressing oneself. No, that will not be on the test. Fun rivalries can turn into real ones if you're not careful. Yes. Just ask me and my rival, Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) The police were ordered and listened when it came to not killing rioters if they could avoid it. No, that won't be on the test, because we can't make modern police look bad by comparison. I will say, though, the January 6th police, we didn't have that many people get shot Yeah, by then. I mean, like, a few of them definitely shot themselves and other people around them. Yeah, I'm not saying there were none, but all things considered, we had, what, one gunshot death of of us? rioter and then three mm-hmm. deaths of officers i think it's because she was climbing through a window shouting about how she was going to while kill being told Pelosi. repeatedly to get back yeah. get back get back um and he actually does like i have a gun and will shoot you if i remember right mm-hmm. um and we haven't changed much that's the last question will that be on the test no that will not be on the test but yeah this was a wild one originally it was really short but then austin was like i just don't have an enemy this week i'm like all right bet i'm gonna go into all of this yeah and i was like I've been taking classes. I've had stuff. Like, I kind of hit a wall this week. Yeah, it's like I wasn't going to go into the entirety of Edwin Forrest's life. And I still didn't. Like, the whole issue with his marriage was could be an episode in itself. Ooh. But, and now we just have the conspiracy theory of, was William McCready's dad a time-traveling John Adams? I think it has to be. Mm-hmm. That's the only, that, that is the cherry on top of this Sunday. Yeah, and weirdly, this has not shown up in pop culture a lot. You would think it would have, except there is a play based directly on this, and I don't know anything about it other than that it exists. But like this particular thing has not shown up in pop culture a lot, and I feel like it should. <laughs> so, remember when we used to do this? What, what is something you learned? Something I learned? Uh, let's think that this, the, 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 the Astro Place riots happened. That was <laughs> it. And like, the 10,000 people got together to be mad at an actor for not being American. Yeah. You have the wrong accent for Shakespeare. Yours is too British. What? Yeah, that was... What? They go home, America. You're drunk. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, yeah, so because it is our anniversary week, our plan is to watch Nicolas Cage movies every day. Yeah. Oh, I was about to say, so that's why we're going to sign off. But where can people find us before we sign off? Well, they can find us on Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OnTheTestPod, uh, on Instagram at OnTheTestPod, our website OnTheTestPod.com, and you can find us on TikTok and the Tickety Talks. On the Tickety Talks. Where uh, Maddie is the one doing all these great videos about our haunted ass house. Yeah, I am currently do, uh, starting a series about this doll that we can't figure out what's gotten on it, but it looks like it's like this doll. It looks like it's been feeding. Now you have to understand, Austin is a huge skeptic, huge skeptic. But I was like, Austin, I just need you to come look at this doll and see if you can help me figure out what's on its face. This is our most recent video um, on TikTok on the test pod, and Austin's like, I'm not going to go look at that doll. And I'm like, it's in the laundry room. It's not coming asking you to the basement. He's like, No, I don't. I want those dolls out of the house. I do not want to look at that doll. I'm like. I was, Austin, it's, I got way too scared by child's play as a child. Okay, though, this doll is creepy. It's very creepy. Especially because there is something on its face only around its mouth and like dripping down the front. There is nothing that could have spilled on it. It was not like this when I put it away in a box. Um, its foot has since broken off. There are other dolls in there that were in good shape when I put them in. And now they've been kind of attacked, it looks like. I'm like, what is happening? Is she feeding? Um, and at the, on the face, it doesn't look like blood, but as you go down, it starts to turn red and I'm like, uh oh. so, uh, I have gotten the suggestion to try peroxide on it. That will be the first thing I try to clean it off with. And we are going to try to diagnose what this doll has been feeding on. Um, but yes, if you want to learn more about our haunted ass house, the DIY projects I'm doing around the house or the progress I am going to be getting back to making on the podcast closet because it's been too crazy. I've not gotten a chance to work on it in a minute. 
um, come follow us on TikTok. And I'm having way too much millennial fun on TikTok. So, oh, we also did the uh, mind meld challenge. Like, it's, yeah, we've not danced yet. Yet. Well, first of all, people don't want to see me dance. It's too sexy for TikTok. He did, like, act out the whole shoot me if you dare I'm an American thing. So he's still acting like he's on video right now. Well, you know, shoot me if you dare. I'm an American. Um, so speaking of videos, though, we are going to go clean up downstairs a little bit, pick out our Nicolas Cage movie for the evening, and go about our day. We will see you uh, two Tuesdays from now. Hopefully Austin will have something to say that episode. We'll Although see. I have a feeling I took up more time than I, than we normally do together. Oh, yeah. Did I? It's like, well, when we give you free reign to talk as much as you want... I have to expect that things are going to go a little bit long. Well, I, since I can't see it, I just kept going because I didn't want it to be a super short episode. Oh, hour 45 minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? Hour and five minutes. Okay. <laughs> so it's still shorter than usual. Yeah. And I had a lot of pauses. So yep. also Austin knows I have no concept of time. He is mocking me for my ADHD right now. So we're going to go have an argument about his ableism. And on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed.